Chapter Thirty Two of To London Town. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. To London Town by Arthur Morrison. Chapter Thirty Two. Long Hicks raved and tore at his hair, striding about the shop and cursing himself with whatever words he could find. Johnny was excited still, but he grew thoughtful. There was more in this business he saw now than the mere happy riddance of Butson. What of the future? His mother was prostrated and lay moaning on her bed. No one was there to tend her but Bessie, and there was no likelihood of help. They had no intimacy with neighbors, and indeed the stark morality of Harbor Lane womankind would have cut it off if they had. For already poor Nan was tried and condemned, as was the expeditious manner of Harbor Lane in such a matter, and no woman could dare so much as brush skirts with her. "'It's my fault, all of it,' said the unhappy Hicks. "'I shouldn't have been such a fool. But how was I to know she'd go on like that? After what she'd agreed to? Oh, damn me!' I shouldn't have meddled. Johnny calmed him as well as he might, pulled him into a chair in the shop parlor, and sought to know the meaning of his self-reproaches. Why not meddle? Johnny asked. When you found her kicking up that row. Ah, but I didn't. I didn't, protested Hicks, rolling his head despairingly and punching his thigh. I brought her here. It's all my fault, I thought I was doing something clever, and I was silly fool. Oh, I'd like to shoot myself. Brought her here? Well, tell us about it. No good punching yourself. When did you find out he was married? Knew it years ago. Didn't know the woman was alive, though. Thought she must have been dead when you told me he'd married your mother. Some light broke on Johnny. And you took these days off to look for her? Was that it? That's it. And I was a fool. Made things wuss instead of better. Never mind about that. Anything's better than having that brute here. What changed your mind about her being dead? Oh, I don't know. I'll tell you all there is to it. Long time ago when I was working at Bishop's and Lodgin and Limus... A landlady, she knew Butson and his wife, too, and she told me that they led a pretty cat-and-dog life. And one day Butson hops the twig. Well, his missus wasn't sorry to lose him, and she sets to washin' and ironin' to keep herself and the kid. But when Butson gets out of a job, he was never in one long. He goes snivelin' round to her and wants to go back and be kept. Well, the missus makes it pretty hot for him, you may guess, but she stands him for a week or two, giving it him pretty thick all the time till Butson, he cuts away again, and never comes back. His missus never bothered about him, said she was well quit. This was all before I went to live at Lima's. But she used to be pals with my landlady. I kept a bottle of whiskey then, 
case of a friend comin and them too give it what for between em on the quiet and did you know her then his wife only by sight and not to say to speak to me being a quiet sort i knew butson sense in the shops most took em for a bachelor well i wasn't at limas very long i came away to this part and see no more of her though of course i see him often when you told me he'd married your mother it took me aback a bit at first but then thinks i i expect the first one's dead must be but after that the other day when you told me what a right down badden he was i begun to think wuss of him i knew he'd been livin idle but i didn't guess he treated her so bad and when you talked of wantin to get rid of him i got a notion if he's bad enough for what he's done thinks i he's bad enough for anything perhaps his first wife's alive after all and if she is why the job's done anyway i puts it i'll risk a day or two off on it and i did and here's a nice old bloomin mess i made oh i ought to be poleaxed well of course there's been a row johnny said gloomily and i expect it'll knock trade to pieces here and half kill mother but you couldn't very well help a row in a thing like this i've been three days findin her my old landlady's dead and i had to try and find her sister nobody knew where the sister was but after a lot of bother an old woman sends me to a cousin in the workus cousin in the workus thinks the sister's dead too but tells me to go and ask at a newspaper shop in bromley newspaper shops shut up people gone find the man as moved him and he sends me to bow another newspaper shop people there send me back to poplar party of the name of bushel party of the name of bushel very friendly and sends me to old ford then i went to bow again and so i dodged about up and down till i run across mrs butson up on omerton marshes keepin a laundry that was today that was well she took it mighty cool at first when i told her i knew where her husband was she told me i might keep my knowledge to myself for she didn't want em very cool she was till i told her he'd married again and at that she shot her jaw with a snap and glared at me so i just told her what i knew and how it'd be a charity to give him a scare on the quiet and send him away from here and all right she says just you show me where they live she says i'll give him a scare right says i but i made conditions she was to wait at the street corner and i was to send in a message for him to come out and we was to give him ten minutes to go and get his clothes if he wanted any 
make any excuse he liked, and clear out. So as to do it all quiet and peaceable, nobody the wiser. All right, she says. Just you show me the place, that's all. So I brought her. But when we got to the corner and I told her which house, off she went at a bolt, and and set up all that row for I could stop her. Who'd a thought of her actin' contradictory like that? It was not altogether so dense a mystery to Johnny as it was to the simpler Hicks, twice his age, though more a boy than himself. But he assured Hicks that after all he had done a good turn, and no price was too high for riddance of Butson. Mother'll be grateful to you, too, when she's a bit quieter and knows about it, he said. And presently he added thoughtfully, I think I ought to have guessed something of the sort, with his sneaking in and out so quiet and being afraid of the police. There's lots of things I see through now that I ought to have seen through before, not wanting the new name over the door for one. Till the shutters were up that night and the door well bolted, Nan May was urgent that that horrible woman must be kept out. And when at last she slept in mere exhaustion, she awoke in a fit of trembling and choking, beseeching somebody to take that woman away. Bessie, like Johnny, had a sense of relief, though she slept not at all and dreaded vaguely. But with all she was conscious of some intangible remembrance of that red-faced woman with the harsh voice. And it was long, days, ere it returned to her that she had heard the voice high above the shouts of the bean-feasters in the forest on the day when Uncle Isaac had brought Butson to the cottage. End of chapter 32 Recording by John Brandon